It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Go get your jackets hockey on CBJ in 30. The latest updates by Bobby Mack. And when we are excited, I want to thank Joe from Cleveland for submitting that song for the show. Uh, I've had it. I've been meaning to get it on prior to this, and every week something would come along, and I would uh, get into a routine, and I would forget, or I couldn't work it in, however. But Joe in Cleveland, thank you so much. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I got that on at least one time for you because you went to so much trouble to put it together, and I appreciate it so much. So uh, thanks for the little ditty to start today's show. The first off-season edition of the Monday Mailbag here on CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. And it is a sad day for me. For some of you, it's a very happy day. For some of you, you're getting what you wanted. You're getting what you've asked for. You're getting what you begged for. You're getting what you harped on for the last couple of months. Some of you are. Some of you feel like me. Uh, some of you are in the middle and I guess that means that everything is fine because <laughs> that's the way things should be, right? Uh, we don't all have to agree. We don't all have to do it to disagree. There's a lot of room in the middle too. So listen, um, John Tortorella, yesterday it was announced officially that he and the Blue Jackets have mutually parted ways. I have said this to you for how long? I have been telling you this for weeks, maybe months. Uh, it's really not been a secret. I mean, it... Uh, it's been coming. Uh, these are conversations that uh, I was having with people a year ago before we ever quit traveling. Uh, that, you know, the situation was coming up where there were going to be decisions made and, uh, and they were going to be mutual decisions. I've always stated to you that I felt it was going to be a mutual decision. And that's the way it is. It's not a firing. It's, uh, it's a coach saying, look, my contract is up. And I don't think that I fit here anymore. It's a general manager saying, yeah, your contract's up and maybe you don't fit here anymore. It's a mutual agreement. Two guys in John Tortorella and Yarmo Kekalainen that are complete professionals in what they do. They're very passionate about what they do. Uh, they argued between each other to make each other better. I think they were a good fit for each other during the time that they were together. But sometimes it's not a fit anymore. And in case you missed the final pregame interview I did with John Tortorella on Saturday, and if you listened to that before the game on Saturday, and if you couldn't tell that it was over at that point, then you're not paying attention. I didn't even talk to John Tortorella about anything that was going to happen in that game. 
I just took him on a journey from the time that he began with the Blue Jackets until the time that he left with the Blue Jackets. The people that he has met along the way, the things that went right, the things that went wrong, and where his future is. But one of the things that he said in that interview that was just so telling, and, and it was right there, and it was one of those situations where he wasn't going to say a word, not even to me, before the announcement was made yesterday afternoon. Just wasn't going to happen. That's not how you do it here. You don't go and, and come to a mutual degree, agreement and say, we're going to release it on this day, and then you go and release it early. It doesn't work like that. You can read between the lines. I mean, we're not stupid. But when he said that sometimes a coach is no longer a fit for an organization or an organization is no longer a fit for a coach, that was the telltale line. But we've all known that. We've seen it manifest itself throughout the course of this season. Uh, John Tortorella is a coach that likes to coach a big, strong, physical, hardworking team. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, and I don't think this is a stretch, they had that in the past couple of years with the personnel that was here. The personnel that has been moved out has made this team different. It's no longer that team. And this was before the Nick Felino trade and the David Savard trade. It has not been that team. When Josh Anderson and Pierre-Luc Dubois are out the door, two big-bodied forwards that can score goals, can play physical, it changed the entire makeup of the team. And it's just a different team, good or bad. I mean, it was bad this year. It could be good again next year, but it is just a different team than it has been. And this is a relationship that it ran its course. And it worked out for both parties. Don't forget, when John Tortorella came here, he had just been in Vancouver for one year. He had just gotten let go. He was doing some TV work. There were many, many people around the hockey world saying he would never get a coaching job again. And the Blue Jackets gave him that opportunity to have another job. And he took full advantage of that. And he came to join a team that at that time had a country club type atmosphere. Winning wasn't the number one thing here. It was uh, fun to be in the National Hockey League and it was fun to get a big uh, paycheck for a lot of players. And if they won, they won. And if they lost, ah, try again next year. All of that went out the window with the arrival of John Tortorella and the implementation of his system and his expectations. As I said, over the years, the people changed and it just was no longer a fit. And that is a sad truth. It's a very sad truth. Um, Personally, I don't think I need to tell you because those of you that uh, are part of this every week, that are a part of CBJ and 30 all the time, are also a part of the interviews that I do with John Tortorella. And look, they've been fantastic. And I don't mean that because I'm the world's greatest interviewer. I mean, they've been fantastic because he has allowed me to just have a conversation with him and talk to him as a person. It's not a hockey broadcaster to a hockey coach. It's uh, a hockey fan to a hockey fan. It's uh, a guy that understands the game to a guy that understands the game a hundred times more, <laughs> right? Um, it was so fun. It was so fun. And I, I can sit here and I can tell you that the interviews will be the thing that I miss the most 
about being with John Tortorella. And that wouldn't be entirely true. The interviews are the part that you see of my relationship with him, but just being around and uh, watching him every day, listening to what he says, uh, have him, you know, say something to you, give you a smart comment and being able to turn right back around and give him another smart comment right back to him, uh, to his face. And he laughs it. Um, I'm going to miss that. I'm really, really going to miss that because he was a, he was a very fair coach. I think a lot of you may not think so. A lot of you think, you know, you bench a guy and it's not fair and you're, you're retarding the uh, progress of this player and all that. No, 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 no. Told you a hundred times. The player has to look himself in the mirror and take responsibility. And, you know, a coach is there to help it along, but you have to want to be helped along in some cases. Did you see yesterday on Instagram, did you see who uh, put up the posts thanking John Tortorella for what he's done here? Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson's. That is, uh, that's genuine. I mean, those, those players, he benefited those players. Those players got better under his watch and they know it. Did they like everything that he said or did? No, they didn't. Did it benefit them in the end? Yes. Do they have an appreciation for it? Yes. Zach Wierenski to me is, you know, he's a guy that he went through the ringer with John Tortorella and he came out on the other side and he was a much better player for it having to learn to play defense, um, having to try to push himself through injury when John Tortorella didn't know that he was as injured as he was. Uh, all of those things he learned from. So, look, he's a great coach. He's going to coach somewhere again. That was very obvious in the interview that I did with him the other day. Uh, where is he going to show up? I don't know. Will it be in the Blue Jackets division? I think it very well could be. Um, we're going to see him again. And I, my, I don't think that my on-air relationship with him is going to be over. I think it's going to be paused, but um, I have some ideas and, and and we've talked a little bit and we'll see if any of those come to fruition. So maybe I'll be able to have those conversations again someday in the future. In the meantime, every time I see him, I'm going to shake his hand. Uh, we're going to talk and, and, and it's going to be great. But again, Sometimes change is good. Is this the case? We're going to find out because there is no choice. Change is upon us here in the Blue Jackets organization. So uh, we'll see where it leads. And this is just the first domino really to fall as we get into the off season here. So again, I've, uh, I've talked enough uh, from my standpoint about John Tortorella. I'll get your standpoint on it. Like I said, some of you I'm sure are thrilled and some of you are not there's that big group in the middle, you know, the big group of people understand it. Like it's, it's, it's just time. It's time to, to move on and try something else. And that's, what's going to happen. All right. First of all, I got to tell you about my good friends over at tell Ohio credit union who bring this show to you each and every time that I sit down to do it. It was 1934 and at Ohio credit union. They said, we are going to put our people above everything else. Our customers are the most important thing that we have. And we're going to treat them that way. And they have never changed from that to this very day. Why should you join a credit union? What kind of services do they have? What is the advantage to being with a credit union over being with a regular bank? All of those questions can be answered just by going to tellhio.org. Look at the website for Tellhio Credit Union. Surf around. 
find out what they have, find out why you should be there, uh, find out just about anything you want to find out. And if you can't find it out, and if you're logged in during regular business hours, there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Just click into it and guess what you're going to have. You are going to have somebody pop right up on your screen and help you along. It's as simple as that. So again, why should you stay with a regular bank when you could be with a credit union that'll put you above everything else? Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find them on the web at tellohio.org. All right, let's get to it. Got uh, questions on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports. I have uh, some emails that I have to read to you. I have some voice emails, and let's start with that. Um, let's kick it off with this one that came in before the, the uh, situation was resolved with John Tortorella. And uh, we're just going to start right here and go from there. Good morning, Bob. It's Greg in Cleveland. All right, three things. I'm going to use my word economy here to the best of my ability. First thing, thank you for the tremendous job that you do throughout the year on the show. Really appreciate you taking my questions. Love how the show's constructed and uh, really also enjoy the interviews with Torts. Um, second thing, in recent episodes, you've mentioned these players coming over from Europe. They, they're not playing in the AHL. Their contracts are constructed that way. Do you think, especially with Yarmo being a scout, do you think that there's apprehension on his part sometimes to issue contracts to these players like that? I kind of feel like it may be an all or nothing scenario, um, mostly presented that way by these players' agents, where it's like, look, my client's not going to go to the minors. He's going straight to the top. Um, do you think that there's any apprehension on that? I don't know if that's something you've ever asked him. If not, is that something you could ask him down the road, please? Um, and then finally, is there any potential for having an episode in the future dedicated solely to these rusty bus stories? I love hearing these tales like when Torts was in the minors and even you when you were in the minors, whether it's hockey or baseball and just traveling around and you know, some of these hotels you had to stay at and the experiences in that. Um, I know you talked to it with uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre before. I love hearing those stories. Is there a possibility that you can have an episode dedicated just to that in the future? Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate the kind comments there. And uh, I'll start at the end and work backwards on that. We definitely can tell some stories about life in the East Coast Hockey League, in the American Hockey League. And uh, those guys can talk about uh, junior hockey and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. I love telling those stories. I love listening to those stories. I like when the players tell the stories because, you know, I, I can relate because I was either there for that particular story or I was in a situation um, similar to that with another team. So, yeah, we can definitely uh, do that. What I liked about uh, talking with Torts about when he was uh, playing and coaching in the minors is that he was in the, uh, you know, all American league before it was the East coast hockey league. I mean, he could go way back and tell some really good stories about, <laughs> about that league and, and how it was as a player and a coach. And, um, and, and maybe I'll do that too. Maybe I'll try to get some guys that we can go back even further than modern day and see how it's really progressed. That's a great idea. That would actually, that would be more kind of a, a series than just an episode of CBJ and 30. So that's that's a really good idea. And I'm going to put that on my list uh, of ideas for next year and beyond. Okay, your question about um, the free agents 
from Europe that sign and maybe the agents say they don't want to go to the American Hockey League. Yeah, it happens all the time. Emil Bemstrom is exhibit A. When he came here last year, his contract was written in such a way that he couldn't go to the American Hockey League until a certain date. And I believe that date was after Christmas. So by that time, he'd already been here for a couple of months. He's getting some playing time. And even though they could have sent him there, you know, they did. It's kind of a, it's a tough thing because the agents will do that. They will try to get them right into the National Hockey League. And uh, they'll also try to make sure that they get, like Josh Danforth, he just got signed, what, a week or so ago. He has a one-way contract. What that means is he'll get paid the same amount of money, whether he's playing in Columbus or Cleveland. So they'll do that too. They try to protect their clients uh, like that. But to answer the question, does Yarmo have any concerns over signing guys like that? Obviously not. Because Bemstrom was signed last year. He's got Gregory Hoffman. And um, as I said, Danforth coming over here next year. Uh, they have been you know, promised at least the money. And they're going to get every look to be in the National Hockey League. Um, now, Igor Chinakov, that's a different story because he's a first-round pick. He's over on an entry-level deal. Uh, if he needs time in Cleveland to develop, then you could put him there to develop. Uh, maybe he takes off in training camp and he stays here and he never sees a day in the American Hockey League. I, you know, I talked to uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, who has spoken with uh, Bob Hartley former coach of the Colorado Avalanche, Calgary Flames. Uh, he is coaching Chinakov in Russia. And, you know, John Luke said that Bob Hartley told him the same thing that he told Aaron Port's line from the athletic. And that is that this guy probably needs development for a year, maybe two in the American hockey league. Now, maybe you don't want to hear that as a fan. Maybe you want the first round pick to be right in there. I say, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. You want him to be in there when he is ready to have success. You don't want to, uh, get him in there and have him start to uh, question his own abilities and whether or not he can play in this league. And again, people have lots of different views on that. And my view is because I was in the East Coast Hockey League. I was in the American Hockey League. Not as a player, but I'm going to tell you something. I learned so many things there that prepared me to be in this league. I didn't even know I was learning them at the time. I didn't know how valuable the lessons were going to be until I arrived. And the same thing for players. Go ask the player. Go ask Jody Shelley. Go ask Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Go ask many players, any player that went through that, and they will tell you the same story. It's not like being banished to uh, – remember, remember the original uh, Superman movies? You know, where they had the, the criminals from uh, Krypton, they were in that, they were trapped in that, looked like a pane of glass in space there, and they couldn't get out of it. It's not like you're being banished off into that. You're going to Cleveland. You're two hours up the road, and you can come back and make an impact when you're ready. Okay, so don't forget that. Don't, don't diminish that experience. So many people want to diminish it. And so many people think that at 18, 19 years old, you just come in here and you go. You can, and sometimes you can go full speed. And sometimes you're not ready, and you never recover from that. So I just hope, and I trust that they will do the right thing with this kid when he comes over here in the fall.
All right, what else do I have? Oh, voicemail or voice question, voice memo, whatever you want to call it. Got to have this guy on the show one more time this year. One more time as we start into the offseason. I just can't go without having him. Hey, Bob. It's Cameron Maynard here in Forest Hills, Kentucky. Um, I got to say, I wasn't really surprised when I saw last night that Torts won't return as head coach for the Blue Jackets next year. Um, I mean, I thank him for all he's done. I thank him for, you know, my one of my top moments as a sports fan, getting to see us sweep Tampa in person in 2019 in Game 4. Um, you know, near the end of his run here, you know, like, I mean, I, I guess it was his time to be fired or not to be fired. I, I heard they came to a mutual decision, him and Yarmo did. But uh, I thank Torts for all he's done. And, um, you know, I don't know – Who's going to become the next head coach of the Blue Jackets? Um, as a Bengals fan, I got to say that, you know, it, it, it would be it would have been wise to, to keep Torts around because, you know, Marvin Lewis left the Bengals and, you know, look at the last look at how the last two seasons have gone for them. So, you know, maybe letting Torts go is the right move. Maybe it isn't. I guess we'll have to just wait and see and find out. But um, who do you think is going to be the next head coach of the Blue Jackets? Um, you know, I personally, I hope it's not somebody like Doug McLean or Todd Richards or um, I've heard Gerard Gallant too, but um, I don't know if it'll be any of them. But honestly, I, I hope it's somebody, I hope we get somebody with a proven track record, like a winning track record, somebody that can take us potentially through the playoffs. I hope we get somebody like that. And also, what do you think the Jackets need to do to be competitive next season? You know, as I mentioned, you know, they got to have speed, and you said they got to have skill, which, yes, they got to have speed and skill, and they've got to address the center position. So what do you think the number one thing is that the Jackets need to do this offseason to become better next year? Thanks, Bob. Well, Cameron, thank you for being a part of this uh, as many times as you've had, as you have. You don't complain too much about being a Bengals fan because even though they were bad after Marvin Lewis left, you did get Joe Burrow, right? So if you're going to be bad, be terrible and get the best guy out there. They did that. So I don't know. And in a couple of years from now, you might not be singing that same tune that you just did. Anyway, um, what do they need? They do need skill, but they need the centerman. And how are they going to come about that? That's, not the biggest question of the offseason. The biggest question is, will Seth Jones sign another deal? That's the number one question. And because everything hinges upon that. I've told you that before. It all hinges on that. Is this a reload or a rebuild? That's what it hinges upon. Um, but they need experienced centermen. I think that I, I think what we saw this year was that the defensive side of that position just broke down everything, broke down all of that team defense. And Roslovic had a great year. Defensively is where he struggles. Domi is back in the middle. Defensively is where he struggles. Texier was hurt at the end of the year, was adjusting to the defensive aspects of that position throughout the course of the year. So uh, the center position needs addressed. But they also almost said no. And well, I'll say it. They have no skill. They don't have top-end skill. People have said, why is there such a problem in overtime? They used to be great in overtime. Yeah, they used to be great. 
that send out Dubois, Panarin, and Jones. And if you were the other team and you, and you lost the opening faceoff, you'd be lucky to last a minute before it was over. They don't have that kind of skill now. It's, it's different, and it's not dominating. So they need skill, but they need a centerman. And, and if they can find a skilled centerman, how do you do that? I don't know. But if you can get a, a skilled centerman, two birds, one stone, right? So there you go. But that's what I think they need. And of the three names that you mentioned, Cameron, when it comes to coaching, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to go through a bunch of stuff here before I get to coaching speculation. But you said you don't want to see Doug McClain. You won't. You don't want to see Todd Richards. You won't. Been there, done that. In both cases, actually. And you said you don't want to see Gerard Gallant. You want somebody that's proven. Well, here's the thing. Of those three names, one of them is proven. And that is Gerard Gallant. Took the Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup final in their inaugural year. So keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. And like I said, I've got uh, got a lot of stuff with um, coaches. You have a lot of coaches' questions, or who's it going to be? What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. I'll get to it. I'm going to try to bunch them up here. First, I have this email from Corey. This is long, but stay with me here. Corey had some really good things uh, that he sent to me and um, about another subject, and, and we talked, and, and he has sent this. So um, I want to get through this for you. Corey says, unless I missed something, I haven't heard you talk too much about the new ESPN and TNT TV deals. I know a lot of the fans, myself included, are hoping this will bring hockey back into the mainstream sports consciousness and culture. However, I do have fears that in this, let's say, sensitive day and age, all new eyeballs and pundits that might come with more popularity in the sport could drastically alter what some of us old school fans love about the game. Fighting, physicality, players policing themselves, toughness and grit. With all the hoopla around the Tom Wilson incident last week, I feel like more eyeballs on the sport could eventually try to eliminate scrums, roughing, and fighting altogether. Player safety is important, but I don't want hockey culture to change significantly and get pushed even further into a skill-based game. Your conversation with Tom Sestito last week was fantastic. It highlighted the old-school nature I still love about the game, sticking up for teammates, answering the bell when needed, and a little bit of theatrics and drama. I don't want the pundits who aren't lifelong fans of the sport dictating its direction. I've already seen the NFL and Major League Baseball change dramatically in my short lifetime. In my opinion, hockey needs villains and theatrics just as much as skill. Thanks for your passion through this tough season. I really love your enthusiasm and also your criticisms of the team. You really are the voice of the fans, and I look forward to a better season next year. Thank you, Corey, for that very much. Corey's in Cincinnati, by the way. So thank you, especially that last part means a lot to me. Um, you know, uh, and Corey goes on, he puts a little PS note uh, here talking about, um, you know, John Tortorella and what he meant to the organization and, and all of that and, and, you know, appreciating that. But you already know a guy that likes old-time hockey is going to say that. I think these new TV deals are going to be great, again, Say what you want to about ESPN, but if you're not on ESPN, then they bury you on SportsCenter, which means that you have a hard time uh, getting those casual eyeballs on you. That's just a fact, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's a fact. So being back there, I think, is a good thing for the league. I think the TNT thing 
It's very um, intriguing to me. I think it has a chance to be something new. I really hope that they take their studio show, their pregame, intermission, postgame show, and do it the same way they do it with the NBA product, where they have Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and I, not those guys in particular, maybe Barkley sometimes, he's a hockey guy, but um, to get some players like that, I think there needs to be new blood into the broadcast element of it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, they saw the other day where they hired Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchick to be their two lead guys. I know those guys both very well, both good guys, uh, both people I like to talk to every time I see them. And I had this discussion. I had it with Dave Metzold from Valley Sports, actually. It was, um, you know, the, there are two schools of thought. And as Dave said, hiring those people give them credibility for hockey. And I agree with that. But I also said it on the surface without knowing how they're going to utilize them. It doesn't look like anything's different from what was done at NBC. So I, I would like to see some new faces. I would like to see some more fun. That's one thing that I feel is missing with uh, the broadcast element of it. I think everybody is so serious and you, you can't, you can't break it down in my opinion, the same way you do with uh, some of the other sports. You can't get into such minute details because I think in many cases you're still educating people and they're learning and, and you got to bring them along. And you can do that by having fun. I think maybe from the analyst point of view, uh, for lack of a better term, maybe sometimes dumb it down, but have more fun with it. Make people understand, compare it with other sports, uh, bring it into relation with something that they, that they know and they understand better. And then they can put two and two together. That's what I try to do. And I, I'm not saying that my formula is the best formula, but we all know it is. No, <laughs> kidding. But anyway, um, so I, I want to see what they do beyond, you know, that those two guys being hired, you know, will there, you know, there'll be other games, there will be other play by play and color analysts that are added to their roster. And I'll, I'm interested to see what they do there. Right? I hope they do something a little bit different. I hope uh, I know a lot of guys in this league that are very talented and they do a good job and it would be nice to see them given a chance to do something a little bit more. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And I think that would mostly more be on TNT than ESPN. I, I think ESPN will go back to a more um, traditional type of a broadcast, which is fine. It's fine. But I think you have the option and the ability is a better word to do something different on TNT and maybe attract a, a different audience to an extent. But again, who am I? What do I know? Uh, we'll, we'll find out what they do when we go along, but you know what Corey's concerns about the fighting, like, first of all, let's be honest. They hardly fight at all in this league anymore. It's all about skill. It's all about speed. Uh, you know, you get a John Tortorella said this a million times in the six years that he and I talked, get a good hockey hit and everybody thinks it should be a suspension. Um, it's frustrating, you know, it, it's frustrating in a way. So, uh, We'll see how it goes. I understand what you mean, though, Corey. You know, you don't want them to take – they've taken so much of it out of football. You know, uh, the quarterbacks in bubble wrap, and uh, you can't barely do anything. Baseball, as soon as one guy throws a pitch at another guy, there's a warning, and then the other team can't get even on it. And, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But, look, to have um, 
to have more eyes on your sport is better in the long run. It's all better. You know, it's, I think it's going to be good for the national hockey league. I think it's going to be really good for the national hockey league as a matter of fact. All right. Let me start getting through uh, some of these questions and, uh, and I'm going to, we'll get to the coaching thing here, but first of all, here is and Kilch on Twitter says personally looking at the roster. Do you think that we are one elite center away and maybe another two second or third line center away from competing next year? Do you see this as a long-term rebuild? Personally, I can see both. I wanted to know your thoughts. Well, look, if you got an elite number one centerman and then you got a good second or third line centerman, would you be a lot different next year? Yeah. Now that depends what you have to give up to get it. Does that mean Seth Jones isn't coming back and you've got to trade Seth Jones? Have you weakened yourself on defense? Um, Have you compensated? If you've weakened yourself there, did you get such an elite centerman that it's not going to matter? So I, I, so you're right. You can see it both ways, but if you, if you've got both of those things, a number one, who's elite in a second or third, that's really good. Yeah. You're a way better team. There's no question. But again, what are you going to have to give up to get that? You know, if you, if you have to deal some pieces, you don't really want to deal. Then are you still going to be good? That's what we're going to find out. That's one of the many things we are going to find out um, here during the off season. All right. Let me see. Let me see. Got to go on. Here's one. This is from uh, Kelly on Twitter. Kelly says with Seattle joining the NHL, will unrestricted free agents wait to see what Seattle picks up in the expansion draft before signing with them? Well, yeah. Yeah, I, for sure. There's no question. Uh, they want to see what kind of a team it is. And, um, you know, maybe somebody goes there and uh, they've got some money and they want to bring in a character person or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, it'll be after the expansion draft. And once they see what's happening there, or what kind of an opportunity uh, there is with that franchise. Uh Here's Lucas on Twitter who goes by Space Cowboy there. He says, does the identity of the team change with towards, with the departure of torts and players? Yeah, it changes. Um, it changes some, but th- this, the mindset cannot change. The accountability cannot change. The culture that John Tortorella has built here cannot change. So whoever the next coach is, has got to have those same characteristics. You've got to keep the accountability and the culture. You can um, do interviews differently. You can treat your players differently. You could be a, a much nicer guy if that's the way you see it. If you see it, he was an old grouch. You could be a much nicer guy and handle things like that. But if you let the accountability and the culture get away, then you're in a really bad spot. Then it's going to get really bad, really quickly, in my opinion. So I'm sure that when Yarmo is out looking for another coach, that keeping, keeping the accountability and the culture intact is going to be uh, paramount, absolutely paramount. All right, let's see. Russell has sent me an email, Bobby Mack at bluejackets.com. Says, um, Michael Delzato 
if Michael Delzato is signed, would you play him on the first pairing with Seth Jones and make the second pair stronger with Wierenski and Gavrikov? That's question number one. Um, no, not necessarily. I like that pair of Zach and, and uh, Seth. And Michael can play on either side. So I think I would use him to bolster the second pair with Gavrikov because Gavrikov has got to get back to how he played last year, not this past year, because he needs some help. He did not play as well this year. He's got to get back to the player that he was the previous season. Number two, uh, since Jarmo is targeting a centerman in trade talks, who are a couple of centers excluding Jack Eichel that he might target? And, uh, I don't know, Russell. I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this, and um, I don't know exactly who's going to really be available and what direction that he might go. Uh, I know this. I, I've watched I watched Sam Bennett play a couple of games for the Florida Panthers against the Blue Jackets and score three goals in two games, and, and I found myself afterwards saying, doggone, why didn't they try to figure out how to get that guy? Um, you know, probably because of where they were in the standings and all that stuff, but I think that the Panthers got him for a pretty cheap price. So uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question. And I'm going to have to get more research into that. I just haven't gotten to that point yet, to be honest with you. And to be completely upfront, um, I haven't season just ended Saturday and um, the coach leaves yesterday. And so uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll watch it and see who might be out there and, and who might be available because again, if you, you want to get somebody, you know, good, I mean, to, to go get a, an aging Eric Stahl, it's just picking a name out of a hat. Um, that's, that's not going to do it because that would be a third, fourth line guy. Uh, you know, another guy that changed addresses last year that when I saw it happen, I was like, doggone, how, how did that guy wind up there? And I wish the blue jackets could have been in on that Vincent Trocheck when he went from Florida to Carolina, that's another guy that I'm like, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe they talked about him or tried to get him or whatever the case, but uh, players like that you see going and you're like, doggone, they would be a good fit here. So hopefully they're going to find uh, guys like that, that would be a good fit here and that they can get for a reasonable price and, and make a, uh, a difference at that center position, especially. All right. Um, Let's go back to Twitter here. Ryan Marchione. Ryan says, I've enjoyed watching the Monday mailbag all season long. You've done a great job. I know you're a huge torch supporter, as am I. And I think he was a great fit for the type of players we've had the last few years. But as we get more skilled players, I believe Torch's style of coaching doesn't fit the current roster. With that being said, and with the news of Torts and the team parting ways being official, who is on your short list to be the new head coach? Hold that thought, Ryan, because you might as well get into a bunch of uh, other ones. Michael Guest says, what do you think about Gerard Gallant coming back to the Blue Jackets? Also, my family was at the final game of the season. What a game to close out the year. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. And I will continue on here because I'll address it. Uh, where do I want to go here? Jody says, sad to see Torts leave. I can't think of who will replace him. What other changes do you see happening? Well, the other change is what I was just talking about. you got to find a centerman. You've got to, uh, you know, if Seth Jones is going to stay awesome, you sign him to a contract, you can start talking to uh, Wierenski as well about a new contract. Those are things that absolutely positively have to be done. 
Um, if Seth is not going to stay for some reason, then you're going to get into a lot of other stuff and you've got the goalie situation. Are you going to be able to move one of them this summer? Uh, again, Jody, holding your coach question. I'm going to address them all at one time. Eliza says, sad about torts, but it's time. Uh, since Jarmo has a reputation for sourcing talent from unconventional places, do you think he chooses a first-time and or European coach to take over? Have you heard anything about it yet at all? It would be really exciting to see a new face. Would it? Would it? Uh, I'm so stuck on this one because in some ways it would be exciting not to see a retread, but with this team, I don't know that, that you can get a new face. I, I think you might need somebody that has that experience that has been through it uh, again, holding the thought and I'll elaborate on that in uh, just a bit here. Here's a, a tweet from Dylan says, is there anyone in particular you'd like to see become the next blue jackets coach for the upcoming season? Also, thanks for everything this year. Even through the hard times, you put smiles on all of our faces. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate that. Um, here's one from, hello, my name is Josh. Any chance for Bruce Boudreaux or Claude Julien to be behind the bench for the Blue Jackets next year? And I think that is all of them. I believe it is. Okay. So let's get to it. You want my opinion on this? I'll give you my opinion. I'll tell you. I'll tell you personally and selfishly who I'd like to have. This is personal. This is selfish. There are two guys. There are two guys that um, had the experience I was just talking about. And, and I know them well. And I, I know I can get right into a situation where I can have not a John Tortorella situation with them, but I can, I can uh, be very comfortable and uh, have a great conversation from day one. And I know that because I know them both and I've dealt with them both and it would be awesome. And Gerard Gallant is one of them. And when he coached here before, he wasn't ready to be an NHL head coach. He's come a long way since then. Work that he's done with the Panthers and then the Vegas Golden Knights is great work. Uh, his name has been thrown around for a while now and maybe could even be going to Seattle to head up that expansion franchise. Who knows? Uh, the other guy is uh, former Blue Jacket Kevin Deneen. Uh, Kevin, he coached the Florida Panthers. He was an assistant coach with Chicago. Right now, he's in the American Hockey League in San Diego. Maybe he wouldn't want to leave San Diego in that weather. I'm kidding. You know he would. Um, but I, Kevin has been good wherever he has been. And, and I saw Kevin right at the very beginning because when he retired from the Blue Jackets, and you recall, it was during the season. And Doug McClain was the general manager at the time, and Doug put him in charge of player development. Now, this was before player development is what it is today. I mean, teams were just starting to have player development guys. Kevin quit playing and then was in the American Hockey League uh, with the prospects. And we had a lot of them in Syracuse at the time. And uh, I remember Gary Agnew was our coach in Syracuse and Kevin came in and uh, Kevin paid attention to everything that was going on. And as time went on, uh, Gary was letting him run drills and practice, you know, choose the way they were going to practice. He really helped him to get himself ready to be an American Hockey League head coach, which he did go do in Portland, Maine for a while uh, before he went to the uh, to the NHL. So 
you know, I, I saw Kevin when it was starting. He's a great guy. And many of you already know what a great guy he is from when he played here. But I uh, saw him at the beginning, and, and I see him now. And, you know, he's become a really good coach. And, 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 again, he's a great guy. And I know I can sit down and have a fantastic conversation with him from day one. So that's all personal and selfish. Okay? So I want to get that out of the way. But those two guys, I want to get that out of the way. Look, Bruce Boudreaux, I don't know Bruce. Uh, I've heard he's a, a really nice guy and that he's a fun guy to work with. Um, you know, the knock on Bruce Boudreaux is he gets his teams to the playoffs and he doesn't get them deep into the playoffs. I think we've already done that here. And, you know, where, you know, can he take you to another level? That I don't know. I'm not sure. Claude Julien, you know, same kind of thing. I know Claude the very little. I mean, I spoke to him back when he was with the Hamilton Bulldogs in the American Hockey League. Nicest guy. Great guy. Um, you know, just a gentleman from his time with the Canadians and with the Boston Bruins, an absolute gentleman. So, uh, you know, again, all of those would probably be good choices. Now, and I said about a new face or a fresh face, and maybe that's not what this team needs. You know, then, then again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's, uh, you know, I know there are a couple of guys over in Europe, uh, in the Swedish league and the Finnish league that they're looking for an opportunity. Uh, you know, Yarmo, I look everybody says, well, Yarmo, he'll take a Finnish guy because he's Finnish. Well, look, he didn't uh, draft. Yes. He pulled Yarby uh, that year. The Pierre-Luc Dubois was available and everybody said he would just because they were both Finnish. It didn't work that way. Yarmo went and got the guy who he thought was the best for the job. And he was right. He picked the right guy. So I think he'll pick the right guy here. And I don't think it matters if the guy's Finnish or if he's Swedish or if he's Russian, or if he is anything, Canadian, American, I, I don't think that's going to matter. Can he get this team to the next level? And will he give somebody an opportunity who hasn't had an opportunity? Derek McKenzie doesn't have head coaching experience, but he is an assistant coach on the bench with Joel Quenville in Florida. They've had a great year. Derek McKenzie knows Columbus very well keep on talking about people that leave here. Maybe you want to have somebody that wants to come here and has been here before he would fit that role. What about Luke Richardson? His name comes up a lot. And Luke Richardson has what I just told you, Derek McKenzie doesn't have head coaching experience. He did it in the American hockey league with Binghamton. And he is an assistant coach in the NHL now. So that you know, again, on paper, that matches up very nicely, too. So I don't know. I don't know who they're going to get. I don't know how quickly they're going to get somebody. Again, what you and I just learned was official yesterday was going on for months. So there's been a lot of homework done on people. Uh, there are guys, I, I saw um, an Aaron Portsline's athletic article. I saw a name of uh, Lane Lambert. Lane Lambert is a guy that I've never met, but I know he's been with Barry Trotz for a long, long time. And I've heard great things about him from other coaches and players while I was coming up in the American Hockey League. So again, I don't know him, but he's got a good reputation as a coach and, and what he does. So uh, I don't know. Look, Rick Tockett decided he's not going back to Arizona. Uh, do you want to go that way? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He did a pretty good job there 
in Arizona. I know they missed the playoffs this year, but you know, he's another, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of an in-between. He's not a, a really hard, he's a, he's an old school guy when it comes to accountability, like John Tortorella, but I think he's more of a player's coach as well. And he's got a great resume. He's got Stanley cup rings. So I, I don't know where he goes. And again, there's reports that maybe Seattle might want to go in that direction with him, but um, there is a lot of talent out there that I can tell you a lot of talent out there. And if you want to go, to um, if you want to go to the American League and get somebody who hasn't been an NHL coach and, and give them a try. And again, I said, I don't know if you need a fresh face or not, but there are guys in the American Hockey League that have consistently won with their teams and they've got them deep in the playoffs. And I think that that should mean something. As I sit here and I think about it and I'm putting my thoughts together on it, I think that should mean something too, because it is much harder to coach in the American hockey league than it is in the national hockey league. Why is that? Because your roster is constantly in flux, constantly changing. You're constantly dealing with uh, people and their feelings, guys that are being called up and are exuberant. They know they're going up after the game, but you got to get them through that game. Don't get them hurt and get them through the game and have them be playing really well and then you got the guys that are coming back down and they're mad because they don't think they should have been sent down and you've got to get in their heads and you got to get them straightened out. It's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. You're always changing. By the end of the year, guys are coming in on amateur tryouts. They're coming out of colleges and you're putting them in your lineup and you're trying to win. And it, look, it's a, it's a hard job. And you are in charge of almost everything that goes on. You're dealing with, uh, in many cases, not every city, but in many cases, you're dealing with a lot of the travel and the hotels and you know, somebody else might be booking it, but guess what? There's no traveling secretary. So you're dealing with stuff as it happens on the fly. Even if you're making a call to somebody back in that home office, you're dealing with it. So there's a lot of responsibility there. Responsibility there. And there are guys that uh, I've seen a lot of them. I've seen a lot of them get trapped in the American Hockey League and and they don't get an opportunity. Or if they do, it's not the right opportunity. And then they're back there again. And, um, yeah, so there's some guys there that – and they usually come up as assistant coaches, you know, and maybe on the staff of uh, the team that they're affiliated with. And they reward them by giving them an assistant coaching position. And then sometimes, um, sometimes if I can speak, not tripping over my own lips here, Sometimes people forget how good they were as a head coach, but not the hockey people. The real hockey people remember how good they were as a head coach. So maybe the Blue Jackets go in that direction. And I, I don't mean anybody from Cleveland. Oh, and somebody said to me, and I, you know, about Jared Bull. Jared was on the bench the other night, and that's awesome. I think it is. But Jared Bull's not coming in to be a head coach of the Blue Jackets right now. It's just, he's not ready for that. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It is the, uh, it is the first major move Yarmo Kekalainen has to make in this reloading is figuring out who's going to be the head coach. Does he interview Brad Shaw? Does he interview Brad Larson? Maybe he does. Uh, their deals are up too, quite honestly, they were tied with John Tortorella. Uh, so, their deals were up. Um, 
I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility to see one or both of them wind up with John Tortorella if he lands somewhere else. I think especially Brad Larson, that's possible that he could. You know, Brad Larson's one of those guys I was just talking about, though. People, it's easy to forget he was a good head coach in Springfield when the Blue Jackets were affiliated there. Um, not saying that's the direction that they should go. I, I don't know that. Um, I think that would be uh, probably a tough sell, and that sucks because he's a really good guy, and I think he's a really good coach. But in any event, um, we'll see. It's going to be really interesting, and I, I'm just interested to find out how quick this process is going to be. And Yarmo is uh, speaking to the media and to get the week kicked off. And uh, he'll be asked a lot of questions. I don't know what his answers are going to be. We'll find out. But that's going to be the first really big thing that he has to do to set this franchise for where it's going next. No doubt about that. Coming up on Tuesday night this week, programming note for you. Normally, Jody Shelley and I get together and do the Inside Edge on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. But the crew has a game, so uh, we won't be doing it on Wednesday We'll be doing it on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, flagship station of the Blue Jackets Radio Network, 97.1 The Fan. Uh, Jody and I will go through all of this. We'll wrap up the season. We'll talk about the tort situation, uh, where the team is going from here, um, maybe get a guest or two. We, we haven't uh, – <laughs> we took yesterday off. You know, we just got done doing the 56 games, and everybody took a breather yesterday, so we'll uh, – We'll get it all set up today and get ready uh, to do it for you tomorrow. Again, 7 o'clock tomorrow night, uh, 97.1 The Fan. You can hear it in Columbus. You can also get it on the Blue Jackets app and at bluejackets.com. If you missed the show live, you can get it just like you get this broadcast and uh, all your favorite Blue Jackets podcasts. Just subscribe to CBJ Radio wherever you get your favorite podcast. And oh, by the way, while you're there, Give us a rating and a comment as well, would you? So that is the first Monday mailbag of the Blue Jackets offseason. When will the next one be? I don't know. We'll uh, we'll play it by ear. And uh, when there is news, then I will be here to bring you the news. I will be here to answer your questions about the news. Um, maybe it'll be in this forum. Maybe it'll be in a new forum. I think there are uh, a lot of things we're going to address this summer as well and try to find things that uh, we can do better. Um, you know, maybe different ways to get to you that we aren't right now. Uh, maybe we look at it and we say we're doing everything perfect and we're going to keep doing what we do, or maybe we're going to tweak it and do some different things. But uh, I promise that you will know because I will tell you and uh, I'm there for you. I've always tried to be, and that's not going to change just because the season came to an end and there's a lot of questions and uh, uncertainty going on around here, okay? So that you can bank on. So again, I remind you that Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, final edition of the Inside Edge for the year. Jody Shelley and I will put a bow on all of this for you, so please join us for that. And uh, until then, that's going to do it for this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. It has been presented by the good folks over at Telhio Credit Union, another season comes and goes and they have been there for us again uh, providing this forum for you so thank you to everybody over at uh, Tel Ohio Credit Union for all the things that they do and for making this possible 
Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.